Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Football Today, December 15th, 2023. We got no Chris Rose this week. Mike, where is, uh, what game is Rose calling? Rose is in Cincinnati. Cincinnati for the Colts and Bengals game. So he'll be calling that. Oh, shit. We were supposed to come with references. Uh, Maybe we'll do that at the end. We're going to try and get him to, like, shout out the show somehow on the broadcast. Uh, But I'm I'm here with Anthony Prohaska of Cover One. Uh, Covers the NFL, specifically the Buffalo Bills. They got a, you know, game of the week. So I I thought you'd bring bring you on. Anthony, how are you doing? Welcome to football today. I'm good. I appreciate you having me. You and I have uh, linked up before on Talking Giants. We DM a bunch. I'll be seeing you again at the Senior Bowl come February. I uh, yeah, respect everything you guys do over here. I'm pumped uh, to be here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it as always. And uh, we you, you you and me set the record for a uh, a preview pod on Talking Giants for Week Five. I think we went an hour and forty seven minutes because. We ended up talking for like 50 minutes and then like we do have all our segments that you can't cut out. So we we, we set the record. The other person who I've had on this show when Rose has been out is Robert Schmitz. And we we had we had the record. It was 2021. Both teams had like 12 losses and were god awful. And we just started talking ball for like 45 minutes. So we got sidetracked. I don't even and, and I remember like because you had everything like the questions and segments like set out to me and we were like ready to wrap it. Yeah. Like 45, 50 minutes. And then we just got off track and started talking about like the most random stuff that led into other like conversations about ball. And yeah, it was like, and I blinked and an hour, an extra hour had passed. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be the longest we're, we got to set the record for football today. We try to keep it to 30 minutes. So I, I limited it to four questions because we usually do five. So um, I, I tried to do some saving on there, but question number one i'm going to put this to you you cover the bills you're a bills fan is this a bigger game for the bills or the cowboys the bills um every game from really since they came out of the bye starting with kansas city last week is in essence a playoff game for this team especially with the rest of the afc sitting there at seven and six and the Bills conference record, what it is, they lose a lot of the tiebreakers. They lose the tiebreaker to Cincinnati. They lose the tiebreaker to Denver just because of head-to-head and then the rest of like the conference stuff. Um, so just, I mean, you can make the case for Dallas because they're trying to make a play for the one seed and they're trying to legitimize who they are as a team this year, even though the majority of football fans hate them because they are the Dallas Cowboys. So you could make a case that, you know, if they get this win, but for the Bills, if they beat Dallas with Dallas coming off that win against Philly, it continues this like upward swing in momentum for the bills. And then just from a brass tax perspective, like they need every win that they can grab in order just to make the playoffs. And if Miami falters a little bit, then you're looking at that week 18 game being a matchup in Miami, potentially for the AFC East title. So this game, it's a bigger game for the bills right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, the Cowboys, you know, we've always been asking for that to have that big win for years, and they finally had it last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think home field advantage is like, you know, the most important thing for them. Obviously, they'd want to have it. I want to just talk to you about the Bills, though. So like, there's been some 
a lot of stuff that's happened this year, yeah, right? Like it's been terrible. Matt Milano's injury. And then Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey gets fired. And you yeah. look at all the efficiency numbers, EPA, how great they are, and all these things. You have Josh Allen, you know, playing well. Has it changed? Because even all those numbers, like, you know, when the Giants played the Bills this year, you kind of like, yeah, they kind of get into Stefan Diggs hero, like not hero ball, but like they're forcing it to them. And then mm-hmm. you watched it happen, you know, every play you know, breaking down the film. And it's like, man, this is like an, a real issue. Like you got Khalil Shakir wide open on a mesh and Allen's thrown into triple coverage on a, fi- on a little five yard route to Stefan Dix. Mm-hmm. Has there been like any real material change since Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator? Depends on how you define material. There have been changes. I think it's been more the way I keep playing it for, or, or describing it. It's little wrinkles and different buttons being pushed to different degrees, different levers and dials, you know, being turned. This isn't some brand new offense. There isn't some revolutionary change. And that's not, you know, a knock against Brady. That's just, that's not going to happen, you know, in the double digit weeks in the NFL, you're not going to uninstall and then install a new offense. Like that's just not going to be what it is. So Brady is still running a lot of what Dorsey did, but there's different sequencing there's different tweaks in terms of motion and locking routes and things that he's going with. Um, the motion has been a big piece. I, I think the two big things that Brady's done that's made a difference has been um, the use of motion and what he's done to kind of give some easy buttons for Josh Allen. And then his ability to get running backs involved in the passing game, either as primary options, you know, like first or second in the progression or naturally coming into other parts in the progression, which is something that, you know, he did back at LSU. It's part of the reason why Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a first round pick um, because of how Brady got him so involved in the passing attack that last year at LSU. So those things have been real pluses for Brady, but I think a lot of it too, just comes down to, you know, it's funny you mentioned some of the things like going to digs, but like Shakir is open or other guys are open. There, there were issues with Dorsey. I think he got more blame than he really deserved. I think there was a, you know, a lot of people kind of laid like 80% of the blame at Dorsey's feet. And I think it was really more like 60-40 Dorsey Allen. Like Josh Allen wasn't playing good football from a, like a quarterback standpoint mentally um, for a good portion of this year. He just, in basic things, like he wasn't setting protection correctly. He wasn't hitting hot routes. Like he wasn't recognizing who was hot. And he wasn't getting through the reads in his progression. And, you know, some of this is due to how heavy option-based the Bills passing attack is in terms of routes and how confusing and and taxing that can be mentally at times and how it's easy to not be on the same page, combined with a lot of things being half-field reads and not progression-based. But Brady, you know, tweaked some things and has made things easier for Allen and gotten some other guys involved. But I think a lot of the change you're seeing is just Josh Allen playing better in and of himself. Now, whether that can be attributed to Joe Brady in some way or Allen finally, you know, got himself together once Dorsey got fired because he realized, you know, uh uh-oh, I better, you know, kind of get my stuff together or Brady has been able to get into his ear a little bit more. Um, You know, we're we're seeing more of those unicorn Josh Allen plays, those throws and some better decision making. There's still room for improvement with Allen. Um, but I think a lot of it was just Allen and Dorsey kind of chasing their tail in terms of inefficiency and struggles. On the defensive side, because this is where I feel like, like you said, Josh Allen, like they've been a good offense all year. And then, you know, Josh Allen taking, you know, the the stuff that's there and, and being and being mm-hmm. better. Since Milano's injury, right? We know how, you guys know more than anybody how important he is. Like the Bills have been 21st in EPA per play. If 
the MVP award is going to go to a quarterback this year. Right now, it would be Dak Prescott, right? And he's he's attacking down the field. Like, he's he's doing it all. He's playing his best football of his career. Like, can this Bills defense hang with Dak in this Dallas offense uh, and and throw some stuff to get him off their game? Or is are you going into this as, like, Dak is probably going to put up 28 to 35 on us? Man, it's it's so tough because because it's not only just Milano. Like Milano is extremely important to the defense, but Milano went down in that Jacksonville game, and so did Daquan Jones. Their you know starting defensive tackle, mainly their starting one tech, and I believe at the time he went down, Daquan Jones was playing at an All Pro level. Like with what he was doing against the run and uh, from a pass rush perspective, he was like fifth in the league in terms of pass rush productivity. And considering he's just in there to stop the run, like what he was doing. And, and, and it connects to the bigger picture. The Bills, at in, in their heart of hearts, want to be a nickel defense, and they want to play with light boxes. And if you're going to play with those light boxes, you need your defensive line to win up front against the run. And Daquan Jones was a significant piece of that. And since Daquan went out, and then Milano also going out, the Bills have had to commit you know, a safety down more to the box in order to stop the run and maintain, you know, they, they've had to, instead of stealing gaps and winning gaps, they're more trying to gap out and just win with pure numbers. And of course, and you know, you know, like how you fit the run determines what coverages you're playing on the back end. So there's been some vulnerability there. And then, yeah, they miss Milano's athleticism, ability to go up front and knowing that like the replacement options for him being Tyrell Dodson and Dorian Williams, each one of them having their own issues of like warts and vulnerabilities. It's affected this defense as a whole as, you know, same thing with Trey White going down for the year with that Achilles injuries. So they suffered three significant injuries at all three levels of the defense and you look at Dallas, like they have a good offensive line. They have a good run game. Dak is this buzzsaw of efficiency. I had JP Acosta on my show this week and he used that phrase and I love it. Like Dak is a buzzsaw of efficiency. CeeDee Lamb is playing like one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. And his inside outside, his true inside outside versatility is a nightmare. And Taron Johnson is banged up for the Bills, their nickel corner. So do you put CD in the slot and try and test him a little bit more? Do you put him on the outside? Like you can win with him in so many ways, putting him in motion. It's going to be a legitimate test for this Bills defense. And I don't have, I, I like what Sean McDermott does with this defense. I liked it more when the defense was healthy, but there's just a, a certain point where the injuries catch up to you. And when you're playing such a good offense like this, and I know McCarthy has his warts and Dak can be blah at times for people, but this is a really good offense. They, they can get you, they can gouge you with chunks. They can move it efficiently. I think the, I think you're, you're not looking to stop Dallas in this game. If you're the bills defense, you're more looking to contain them and trying to mitigate them a little bit. Like you're going to give up points. You're going to give some chunks. Can you turn touchdown drives into three points? Can you get some turnovers? Can you keep them behind the sticks? But I think it's a legitimate question given where they are with their injuries and how hot Dallas is right now. Yeah. It, it feels like a team that you kind of have to outgun, uh, yep. you know, in a, in a shootout. Right. And obviously the Buffalo's uh, fully capable of that offensively. Uh, last thing I'll do on the bills. Is we don't have to talk about, uh, you know, Al Qaeda. Is there anything oh. from the Ty Dunn article that actually gave you pause on Sean, Sean McDermott, right? Like, obviously that's the, the thing that grabs the headline, but like, was there anything that came out there out there that like changed any of your opinion on him? Like as an actual NFL coach and not stories from 2019? Not really too much. Um, I, I think, you know, for like a peek behind the curtain within the fan base, Ty has always put out um, most of his work centers around 
attacking Sean McDermott. And so seeing that kind of story come from him, it just kind of, I don't know. It's like asking a Giants fan, like, oh, what do you think of Dak Prescott? And then that Giants fan being like, Dak sucks. And you're just like, well, okay, like you're a Giants fan. It kind of like makes sense. So, and also coming from 2019, a lot of like those pieces and seeing relatively, the Bills have been very successful in the NFL. I know they haven't won a Super Bowl and they've had some really ugly losses in the playoffs, but since 2019, they've been one of the most successful teams in the NFL. So knowing like, especially that one specific, you know, piece that you joked about. Yeah, that's the one that everyone goes to, but at the end of the day, that that doesn't like change much in the... It would have for me if... Well, one, it's it's an extreme like inappropriate like comment, which is awful in and of itself. But McDermott apologized like almost immediately in practice right after that. And knowing where the team went after that, like it's not like the team faltered the rest of 2019 or fell apart in 2020 or 2021. Like they continued to go forward. So knowing that it didn't impact the team that much and then knowing who this article came from, I, you know, there's some nuggets in there, but I took everything very much with a grain of salt, knowing, you know, the timeline, what the bills had done since then and knowing who it came from. Yeah. But I, I've, I, Ty Dunn's done some stuff on the giants uh, with Dan to mm-hmm. Dave Gettleman. And so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with him. Did you see my tweet of saying Sean because the day after it came out was Hanukkah. So I did a uh, Sean McDermott overcorrecting today. I couldn't imagine somebody like Osama bin Laden understanding the joy of Hanukkah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I You're lo- brutal. I like that. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> oh, brutal. Correct. All brutal. right. <laughs> let's let's get off the bills and and uh, things that happened in 2019 and 2001. All three Saturday games. We got like usually mm-hmm. Saturday game, Saturday games are stinkers. They all have playoff implications. Unfortunately, Colt Steelers has playoff implications. I kind of wish it didn't, but they do. Which game is most important to you this weekend? We were talking about this offline, and I was torn between Steelers, Colts, and uh, Lions, Broncos. And especially as a person who covers the Bills, like Steelers, Colts is a little juicy because both teams are seven and six, and the Colts have a favorable schedule down the stretch. You're still wondering what the Steelers can be, yada, yada, playoff, you know, implications and all that. The Broncos, Lions game has one as well within like the AFC in relation to the bills, but just as like a general football person, I'm looking at lions Broncos and, you know, we were joking offline before this started, like, are the, like, are the Broncos a good football team? Like, are the lions starting to like falter a little bit? And some of the lions numbers are like nuts, especially defensively prior to week seven, the lions defense was seventh in EPA per play and 12th in success rate since week seven, they're 30th in EPA per play and 29th in success rate. Their offense has faltered a little bit, but it's been more defensively than anything else. And then you look at the Broncos being like six and one in their last seven and who they've stacked up wins against and how they've looked like Detroit very much had a lot of buzz coming into this year. They beat Kansas city on opening night. They have some good wins, but then they get smacked by Baltimore. And it's kind of like, all right, like our, is it the same old lions type of feel Ben Johnson has kind of come under fire a little bit the last couple of weeks. Like there's been issues with route spacing and concepts that they've been uh, running in their past game that just looks messy and disconnected and disjointed schematically, which is something you don't expect from Ben Johnson with how well he's done with this team. Um, so I'm very, that that's the game I'm interested in. Like is, 
does Denver continue this hot streak and solidify themselves? Does Detroit kind of get back on track? Detroit is still kind of making a push uh, for the number one seed in the NFC. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of looking at that game to see like who's real, who's not, and by how much. Yeah, this is a show me game. Like, sh- show show me who you are. It's the end of the season. These are two teams are you know I think both are make you know the Lions are going to make the playoffs. The Broncos, I'm pretty if there's they're the most confident I am in the seven and six team to make it mm-hmm. with their schedule. Uh, and like the Broncos have won, like you said, versus good teams. Like they beat you know the Bills, the Chiefs, the Browns. You know, and then the other two wins are like those are NFC wild card teams right now. Uh, and their last you know they're seven and one in the last eight. Like they're they have a, a the other win is versus the Chargers and then the loss to the um, the Texans right and they were right in that at the end of the game we know super the Texans close yeah they could have pulled that are, one out in Houston are a very capable and, and good team yeah. and then the Lions like you said like they are if you look at like the last five six weeks it's like the two worst pass defenses in the NFL are the Commanders who are like the worst pass like they were a horrible pass defense when they had Montez Sweat and Chase Young and then they traded them away. <laughs> Uh, so it's like not even just untalented, but undisciplined. And then it's them right there. Uh, you know, and CJ Gardner Johnson's been injured, but they're just it's like it's like Denver has like totally figured themselves out and what to do. And Detroit is kind of losing on what they should do, right? Like Brian Branch, who mm-hmm. you could argue is like their best defensive player. All of a sudden he only gets half the snaps last week. Like, well, we don't know the exact perfect role. He's your best playmaker. He had an interception the week before. He gets makes plays in the run game. I don't care if you're putting him at nickel or safety or wherever. Like, put him on the field. Um, and then like since Jamison Williams has come back, it's a very weird relationship with Detroit and Jamison Williams. Like, we were talking to people when we were in Detroit for the joint practice, like they don't really like him that much. Like mm. they think he's immature. And you go and watch uh, someone posted like the all 22 of all his routes, and like this is bad. Right, but he's still getting sixty percent of the snaps because he's someone that they traded up for, and through all of it, they've been an elite rushing team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like two teams that I feel like are going in the opposite direction. Where the Lions have lost two of their last four while barely beating the Bears and the Saints and their other two wins. Like they needed a miracle in the Bears game, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think they're going to get back to the the mean, the median for them right now because mm-hmm. Jared Goff right now. Never been great first pressure, but I was reading an article by Jeremy Reisman, and he's having like the worst pressure numbers ever, like of how he's dealing with pressure. I think he has like a 0.6 QBR first pressure, and that's not like 0.6 out of one; it's 0.6 out of a hundred. Um, so if he can get that back to like just like middle of the pack versus pressure, uh, it could do them a lot of good. But I, I still think they have so many things to figure out. Yeah, he's sitting there with a uh, when he's under pressure this year, he's got, he's got a rating of fifty eight point eight, which is uh, awful. And and for that, that's all. I think that's also tied into like the struggles you see with that Detroit offensive time. Like so many things have to work when you have a statue at quarterback, which is what Jared Goff is. Like he doesn't have mobility. He's not somebody who's going to make plays with his legs. That's fine, but so many things have to work out for you. You need the rhythm and the timing. Like his footwork has to align with the routes that he's throwing to. The progression has to hold up. The protection has to be set, um, and the protection has to hold up as well. Like everything just has to work. And that not that that's impossible, but it's it's harder. And then if he gets pressure, he's probably not going to escape or evade. He's got to hit that check down right away, or hit one of his options, or get off one and go to two and figure out like another option for him because he can't win with that athleticism that so many other QBs can. And I think that puts this offense 
under pressure, no pun intended, at times because so many things have to work out in the pass game. But when it does, it's beautiful. Goff and Ben Johnson are just like hitting in rhythm and timing and guys are coming open. And especially when they can run the ball and the play action piece works out. And like you said, too, like they they do have good dudes like Goff has played well. I'm on Ross St. Brown as a stud. Gibbs and Montgomery are a really sweet tandem. Their running game is elite. Like it's still an elite running game. Absolutely. And it's and it's run behind one of the best offensive lines in all of football. Like they've got so much ability on that offensive side. And then even the defensive side, too. Like, you know, you mentioned CJ Gardner Johnson being out, but they've still got guys on that defense. But yeah, like the stuff with Brian Branch and then Aiden Hutchinson is like freelancing a bunch. And they had all these breakdowns just doing basic read option stuff against Chicago, like going back to the first time they played Chicago. And then it happened again. So like you're like, where's the course correction? Where's the self-identification? Where's the discipline? Where's the, the, the attention to detail? And yeah, there's just all these like random questions happening with this team that, you know, really looked like, again, it's early in the year and who teams are in September is never who they are come December and January, but they finished strong last year. They started out hot this year. I know they started out one and one, but they lose an OT to Seattle. And then they just go on like a run and they have been playing good football. And to your point, like they easily could be 0-2 to the Chicago Bears this year. And then then you're sitting there looking at a different situation, knowing what they've been in these you know recent weeks. It's so weird to see like where they are. I still think they're a good football team. And even that too, like if Denver beats them. I don't know how much better. I don't know if it makes me feel better about Denver or if it makes me feel worse about Detroit. I think it makes me feel worse about Detroit. And I want to talk about Denver and Russ in a second. But you look at it like after the Chiefs win, which again did not have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Yep. Who are like top of their positions, right? And Kansas They're, City had all those drops. And I mean, the Brian Branch pick six is off of a, a drop that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Their best win is beating the Chargers 41 to 38. Like they really haven't, you know, and then. That Ravens game was supposed to be like, okay, let's see Detroit. And they got smoked, Waxed. which again can can happen, but it's like you got to have a little more of a resume um, for that. So, yeah, and and you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson. And I, I I do think, I think they need to be like, it reminds me of Dallas before Dan Quinn got there where they were just so undisciplined in what they do, right? They're, mm. just, they're just totally undisciplined. People are freelancing. And it's like you get a guy like Dan Quinn in there. I like I really think they need to get a new defensive coordinator in there, like you said, who can put that. You saw the Justin Fields rushing touchdown at the end. It's a third and long. And Aiden Hutchinson all of a sudden starts running for the A-gap, right? And just totally losing losing that and allowing the touchdown. And now guys like Aiden Hutchinson, I don't believe in like, hey, not everyone can be Miles Garrett, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, TJ, like TJ Watt gets uh flack for this a little bit. But there has to be like some ability, like, hey, this is a down where you can you can freelance a little bit, like yeah. you can work outside and or knowing what your other players are and letting you know, building that into the rush where hey, you're gonna be replaced. You can do this, but you're gonna be replaced by the defensive tackle. Um with the Bron- so it's like it's they gotta they gotta hone in on defense. Yeah. Uh they're not gonna be a good defense, but can they get to like the twentieth best defense and can Goff not have all these turnovers? Now the Broncos they create turnovers better than anybody, so it's gonna be an interesting and, matchup. And that's also like not a lot to ask, I feel like from Detroit. Like they just just be halfway decent as a defense. Don't just just don't be undisciplined and leaky. Like we're not asking you to be like fifth in DVOA and like all these tremendous metrics, like just don't be 
a dumpster fire because the offense, even when the offense struggles, the offense still does pretty good. The defense just has to hold its own to a decent degree and they can really be, they're going to be in every game every single week, no matter who they play. If their defense is just halfway decent, but their defense has just been again, dude, that's like, that's a huge drop to go from seventh and EPA per play to 30th and 12th in success rate to 29th. Like you're falling off a cliff defensively. Yeah. And if they can get to that, where they're like, they can lean on their running game, which again is elite, elite. And I know there's like people like to say that the running game doesn't affect play action. You know, that's an old stereotype. And I understand some of that, but I, I disagree with that, that, oh, like it has no effect on it. It absolutely does. You don't, you don't played. need, you don't need a good running game to have a good play action game, but it 1000% helps it sucks in that second level sometimes third level defenders like and again it's part of the reason why when Detroit's offense is really humming that run game is going because then they hit their play action game and what's so awesome I I remember I got a true appreciation for Detroit last year they played the Bills Thanksgiving week um and I watched a bunch of Detroit film to prep for that game and I came so I came away so impressed with the offense and now everybody's talking about it a bit more now but their run game mirrors their play action game which is like what it's supposed to do but there are like there's no tells like it looks the exact same so when their run game is working and they go off their play action with it they're running the exact same look as if they were running the ball and it's not Jared Goff turns his back he hits in rhythm and that's why you see like I'm on Ross St. Brown running open in the middle of the field and Sam Laporta doing everything he's doing I'm, I'm so pumped that Sam Laporta's doing good I loved him he was my tight end too coming out last year so I love what he's doing like they have such a good unit on its own, but when that run game gets going, like you said, like it helps the play action game. And for Jared Goff, if you can slow down the rush with, with play action, and then he's just got time and vision and he's hitting in rhythm and the receivers are running in rhythm. This offense becomes like almost unstoppable once the run game works. Cause you pair it with that offensive line, Jared Goff's timing and the overall rhythm of the offense and design from Ben Johnson. It's, it's a huge, huge, important piece for the team. Yeah, it's a, they they are they are they have a lot more potential than what they're doing right now. The weather might be cooling down, but the action on the field stays hot. It's hot in Florida still too. And today we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL, to get you closer to the action. Right now, new customers who bet just five dollars get hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code Football Today. Fan of multiple teams and want to bet on them all. Combine multiple bets together for a shot and even bigger payout. If sports betting is not yet available in your state, not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use promo code FOOTBALL today. Bet just $5 in any wager and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code FOOTBALL today, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll be glad you did. I'm thinking of maybe, let's, let's do quickly talking about Trevor Lawrence versus the Ravens. How important is it for him to look good versus a top defense in the NFL? Because I look, and I know I just asked you the question, but I'm going to start answering it a little bit. <laughs> I like it. Do your thing. I watched it. I watched them all. I watched the entire Jags-Browns game. Like, I wanted to watch. I wanted to see Lawrence first that. Yeah. And you look at all the numbers. He's great on third downs. He pushes the ball downfield. He makes the wow plays, right? And his team lets him down at times. Like, their rushing game is not very good. They Some of those guys have the drops. I don't understand why. Calvin Ridley, I thought, was the most overhyped move of the offseason. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think he's a really good player, but I don't want him as a wide receiver one. He's unreliable. Mm. Uh, but with Trevor Lawrence, despite all that, 
I just feel like he really struggles against the teams that like like to throw those disguised coverages and can marry that to good pass rush without blitzing, which is what the Cleveland Browns can do. And you're facing the Baltimore Ravens, who do it in a, a lot different flavor than you know Jim Schwartz and the Browns do. But they do like they they are going to throw a lot of disguised stuff at you, and they've been able to get to the get to the passer really well this year. I mean, they're the top two defenses in the NFL. Yeah, they. I love so much of what the Ravens do defensively under Mike McDonald, and so much of it, right, is tied to like the the squad of dudes that they have. Like, it, what's the the vert? Like, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. But they have both. Like, they have the X's and O's, and they have the Jimmys and Joes. Wait, and one of those Jimmys or Joes, Kyle Hamilton. I'm wondering like what his status is and what happens and how that affects that defense. But yeah, they one of the highest simulated pressure rates in the league and their sim their sim pressure game is so good because of the versatility and athleticism they have like everywhere. Like you can drop a Dafe Owe like underneath and into the flats and he can actually kind of like hang out there a little bit and do some stuff. Patrick Queen, man, one of the best additions last year was Roquan Smith to the Ravens defense. One because Roquan Smith is awesome, but two made Queen so much better. Bro, hell yeah, because like you all you once you get Roquan, you can literally just be like, yo, Pat Pat, like just go headhunt. Just see ball, get ball, and let him be this heat-seeking missile wherever he wants. And they can he's so good in their simulated pressure game or covering down on dudes out of the backfield. Like, and you can allow him to do that and just play fast because Roquan corrects for so much and can do so much. The defense has dudes on it and they are well coached and have a great design. And it's going to be tough for Trevor Lawrence. For me, it's not too important for him to play well. I like Trevor Lawrence and he's sitting there right now, seventh in success rate, ninth in EPA per play. Um, he makes some wild throws. Like he's got some moments, just his ability to go from a progression standpoint and the accuracy and the ball placement that he has at times paired with the athleticism, which I don't think it's talked about enough. Like he's consistently like, even when he's bad, like quote unquote bad, he's still like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. But I think this game would go a long way towards from a national perspective in cementing him as more of a closer to that top five, potentially, you know, in the NFL, because the Ravens are a squad and he doesn't really have that signature win or that signature moment. And I know he's banged up. That's also something we should probably talk about too, right? Like against the the Bengals and last year against Detroit, he gets rolled up in ways that I thought his leg exploded. And I guess he's like made out of friggin' rubber and he's completely fine, which is nuts in and of itself. But I'm with you there a little bit. Like I, I think, I think this would go a long way nationally in terms of cementing him and solidifying him a bit more in terms of like in that upper, maybe not top tier QB, but more in that tier two approaching tier one. And that's part of me wanted him to win and play well versus the Browns last week because of the toughness Same. aspect with the sprained ankle. Even though I kind of secretly root for the Browns because I want that def- I want that defense to be a defense that just drags the offense to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to see him have that win with yeah. the toughness and stuff. And like you mentioned, he does a lot of amazing things, but I do think there is a gap between him and the Allens and the Herberts of the world. And like I said, I, I think the teams that throw a lot of disguised looks, but also able to rush the passers where he really struggles. Now, Yeah, that's obviously, hey, struggles versus the best defenses in the NFL. No shit, Sherlock. But <laughs> well, I watched him all the way through the Kansas City game and the Browns game. And it wasn't just like normal struggles versus good defenses. It was kind of some just dumb, dumb throws that he was making. All right, yeah. last question I want to ask you. We do got to keep time in mind a little bit. 
We can spend as long as we want on this. I'll one. say, let's go for another three hours. I'm ready. I'm I got, dude, I'm I got water. I'm, I'm so interested in this. Should the Chargers or what other other team that makes sense pursue Bill Belichick? You've been watching Bill Belichick for ever as someone who covers AFC East and is a fan of the AFC East. He ruined my life. I love Bill Belichick, right? And it's been tough to watch the past couple of years, right? Mm. Offensively. Yeah. But they've been so good defensively. And you look at even the last four weeks, right? They're giving up 11 points per game the last four weeks. 11. Yet their offense is only averaging eight and a half points per game. Like, it's so bad offensively. But he continues to, like, make good out of his defenses. He's missing his best player in Judon. Like, they're missing good players. And every year, I know the, the numbers don't really show a good defense this year. Every year, they're able to put together good defenses, and it's just since McDaniel's left, it's all falling apart. What was that? Uh, I'm looking it up. I don't even know if I can like Google's gonna like let me down. Um, I saw it in. It was like a quick little flash uh, in the Thursday night game against the Steelers. Like it was something like the Patriots are like 0-3 this year in the games where they've given up less than 10 points and like every other team is undefeated when they've done that or like not just this year, but like throughout a certain time range, like some stat that was like, good Lord. I know for a fact like they're 0-3 when when that with that piece, like that's wild in and of itself. I think it's in the last four games. I mean, the Giants, my Giants beat them 10-7. The Chargers beat them 6-0. And I think the Colts beat them 10-7. As well. Jesus. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, they <laughs> they lost 10 to 6 to 10. Bro, three games in a row. They lost 10 to 6. They lost 10 to 7. And they lost 6 to nothing against the friggin' Chargers. Like, and even with everything, so Judon being done for a majority of the year, Uche, Uche, who last year was number one in pass rush productivity, like sneaky edge play edge presence last year. And then you see what Duggar can do. And they had all these fun options in the defensive backfield with like everybody peppers. I really like, yeah. And like they took Jalen Mills and kind of moved him to safety. And then you had, um, um, what's his face from Houston, who was a rookie last year. Jack Jones. Nope. Um, Jones. Marcus Jones, thank you. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Jones. Jones. Yeah, and then you had the two Joneses, Jack Jones and John Jones, who both balled out last year. And then he had Marcus Jones. They had all these like dudes, and even Miles Bryant, who gets burned a bunch. But like everybody can kind of play safety. Everybody can play inside, outside. You have like everybody who's like above average to really good at everything. I think Duggar is a stud mm-hmm. and a star. Like, and even with everything that's going on this year, they're still sitting there tenth in terms of defensive DVOA. Um, they're 21st against the pass, but they're number one against the run. Like their defense is still managed to keep them in games a little bit. Even with you look at what they were busting out, um, against Miami earlier in the year when Miami was rolling, like you saw what this defense is capable of at times, but it's just the absolute opposite when you're looking at the offense and they're sitting, the offense is sitting there 27th in terms of DVOA. And it's no secret, like. They drag this team oh, down. They're the worst in the NFL. Yeah. Bro, it's so – and that makes me want to throw myself through a friggin' window as a person who covers the Bills because the Bills lost to this friggin' Pats team, gave them, like, their highest point production of the year, took the lead in New England with, like, under two minutes left, and let Mac Jones friggin' walk it down your throat. That game was such so bad schematically. They let New England run the ball. Like, the one thing they couldn't let them do, they did. That's a conversation for another time that I actually never want to have. But, it, yeah, they're just – 
their defense is still been able to cobble some things together. And I think that's a testament to Bill. Um, again, the person who ruined him and Tom Brady have given me more, you know, pain and suffering than any other people in the history of the world. I have a hard time giving up on Bill as a coach alone, right? I think it's well yeah. known. Don't let him run the front office. Yes. Um, and when people say that Tom Brady made him, it drives me fucking nuts. Like this mm-hmm. guy's the best of all time. He's the best of all time. Um, Josh McDaniels is floating out there, right? And they've had success together, right? They had success with Mac Jones out there. So let's speak because Belichick, because everyone says, oh, just go find an offensive mind. But Belichick, if there's one thing he hasn't proven, is that he likes to go outside of his his wheel well of, mm-hmm. of guys, right? You know, the judge and Matt Patricia thing is the dumbest thing that Belichick has ever done as a coach. And I think we all saw that in real time, making them offensive coordinators. Uh, Bill O'Brien made sense, mm-hmm. but again, it hasn't worked. So he hasn't shown the willingness to kind of go out of his his tree. Mm-hmm. If if you were you know covering the Chargers, do you think it'd be good for them to go to like go after a Belichick and Josh McDaniels combo? Bro, it, I think it could work. Like we've seen them work magic together before. I'm with the and Chargers. Herbert, Herbert, you know, Herbert is it's not like a. It's not like a oh well we got to get the quarterback who we know can run no you know like Herbert can run basically any offense you put him in he can do anything he I mean all the jokes last year with what he was doing under Lombardi like he can run all the quick game stuff and just run stick and and slant flats every single play if you want like but he's got this arm and this athleticism that allows him to play in an upper tier I still can't believe like we're we're still at a point where the conversation can still be had in terms of like, how good is Justin Herbert? Like, I think Herbert's a stud, but because of everything that happens every year with the chargers, like he gets shit on a bunch and kind of left behind. And I think it makes sense to pair Belichick with McDaniels. I think we've seen enough from Josh McDaniels to know, like he is not head coach material in any which way or form the way he, if, and especially if we're believing like, some of those stories we're hearing coming out of Vegas once he got And I fired, do believe all of them, by the way. Which too. is he's like a weird dude. Even back to remember um the Colts thing, the Bronco, just, everything yes. like the idea that he got another head coaching gig in the NFL like blows my mind, right? Yeah. Like I rem- I remember being in Mobile, Alabama, our favorite place in the world, mm-hmm. when the Raiders signed him and I'm me like this, okay, they have the worst head coach in the NFL. Like why why has anyone given this guy another chance? But you can't deny that he's had success as an offensive coordinator with Tom Brady, obviously, but Mac Jones. But the reason why that you say, well, it's Tom Brady. People would call Brady a systems quarterback. They ran so many different systems. They adjusted to their personnel and offense consistently over the years, and that's why they were able to stay great. And I think Herbert's a guy who who can do that and will take that on. So I, I think the Chargers would be good to do that. But you got to have a clear, like, Belichick's not – running the front office or not in like obviously he's the head coach he's gonna have some say in it yeah but there has to be you gotta have a strong-willed gm who is you know you believe is is not going to be over influenced by their what their head coach wants part of me also worries about like i don't get how the chargers have been this i mean i know they've had a bunch of injuries like year after year like the I don't think we talk about the Chargers enough as being like this cursed franchise, especially with how they lost in the playoffs last year. Like every year, I feel like the conversation has been like, man, the Chargers are going to be a team, man, here come the Chargers. And they just lose these heartbreaking games and they lose in the most disappointing fashions. They can't stay healthy. They have good players. 
but things don't work out. Like they've never been able to defend the run like ever. And that was like Staley's ability to do that with the whole tight front revolution thing that he was, you know, part of and kind of spearheaded. Different uh, when you don't have Aaron Donald. Absolutely. But then like, but even so, like they don't like Khalil Mack is an awesome run defender. They brought in Sebastian Joseph Day, who helped like be one of those stalwart pieces in LA. Like, and they've got dudes, but it never seems to mesh well. And Brandon Staley is also the epitome of the like the coach who can never get the fourth down decision right. He, I love it. Every time he's going from the fourth down, I'm rooting for him to not get it because it's hilarious every time. It's all like if he goes for it, it's the wrong call. If he doesn't and punts, it's the wrong call. Like, dude is just super snake bit. And I wonder, yeah, like, I, like I just think, like, is it is it something with the Chargers, like, where no matter who goes there, like this core group and this roster and how this team is built is just not ready to succeed and not be sustainable. But with, I still have faith in Belichick, and I think Belichick and McDaniel's again, like, are a good pairing. And I think the Chargers, again, it's wild to say it because they're sitting there at five and eight now. I think they still have a good roster. Like, they've got really good players at a bunch of positions. Again they've seemed to never be able to stay healthy. And I don't know if that's something that Belichick can kind of fix, but they've got dudes. They've got a bit of a squad on both sides of the ball. Um, You know, obviously Khalil Mack being a year older next year, you see what happens there in terms of what else they're missing. But I think that would be an interesting pairing because you've got talent. You've got legitimate talent on both sides of the ball in LA and you've got a quarterback who has the potential to be one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. So that kind of helps itself. If you take that pairing with Belichick and McDaniels, I trust them to write the ship, given the talent. And to your point, like, because it's not like you're starting from scratch. You're not tearing it down and trying to rebuild everything. You have a ton of pieces in place. You just need to tighten up the philosophy and the schematics. They're already built to be in kind of that 3-4 mold, which fits what Belichick does. Like, I think they have guys who fit his system and fit who he wants to be. Offensively, like you said, I think McDaniels can get it done with Herbert because anybody, I think, should be able to get it done with Herbert, unless you're Joel Lombardi a couple years ago. But even that still kind of worked a little bit. Yeah, I think that would be a real interesting pairing because the Chargers have been so snake bit. And Belichick has kind of quote unquote fallen off a cliff the past couple of years. So that marriage, it would be real interesting because if it fails, I think it just hurts them both so much. But if it turns, if it ticks up, then you can just give man, like, could you imagine the legacy conversation you're starting to have then if Belichick helps like turn that Chargers team around, the team that's been so snake bit and such an underachieving team these past couple of years or several years? Yeah, and, and no one's been able to, like, you talk about, like, the injuries. No one's been able to replace injured players better than Belichick. Um, Does so all I the think time. there would be some help with that. Like, you talk about Kyle Duggar. The things he could do with the Derwin James if he's healthy would God. be unreal. Um, and here's why I think it's going to happen, right? Because you're like, why wouldn't Belichick just retire? And why are the Chargers? The Chargers are going to be saying that all the same things. were. I mean, I remember the Chargers when they hired Brandon Staley. They interviewed Jason Garrett, who coached the 31st ranked offense in the NFL that year for the New York Giants. And we were all jokingly saying, oh, can't lose this guy. Please hire him. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't hire him. Oh, no. And Belichick is going to be motivated. He's 28 wins away from being the most all time. We know he's a historian. You know, that means something to him. And you can't just you can't just, you know, coach another couple another years and and get to that record. It's not one of those like you you got to win nine games. You got to win 10 games and then nine mm-hmm. games twice over three years. Like you can't, like, it's not a guarantee. You have to be good. So I do think Belichick will be motivated. Uh, whether it's McDaniels or else, I think when you have Herbert, it just, 
it gives you a floor of at least like above average as an offense. So I mm-hmm. think it, I think it does make sense. But Anthony, thank you for joining us. Where can people uh, find find your work? Find me on Twitter at pro underscore underscore ant. That's pro two underscores a n t. Um, again, I'm a part of Cover One. We cover the Buffalo Bills with an extreme amount of detail and uh, in-depth pieces. I do two shows for the network, one on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's called Disguise Coverage. And then another one on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, with the founder of Cover One, Mr. Eric Turner. We do the Cover One film room. So I use a bunch of film on Disguise Coverage. That's my solo show. But then in the film room, obviously, it's all tape and breaking stuff down, scheme, structure, all those pieces. Again, it's focused on the bills where we break down a lot of things schematically in terms of concepts and defensive coverage pieces so you know if you want to learn the x's and o's of football or you know potentially the bills tune in give us a shout also with you know i I do a bunch of stuff on the nfl in general and then much like you once the season ends it's all prospect and draft conversation and breaking down players and evaluation and uh yeah that's me yeah, we'll we'll get you more on this channel for the draft. We'll see you in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. So we'll, uh, the people will see you more. Um, thanks as always. Uh, we'll be back with Rose on Monday, recapping uh, Bills, Bills, Cowboys. That's got to be topic number one. So hopefully Anthony, uh, for his sake, is happy. And that is football today. <laughs>